I'm a giant when I stand. Ballin' like the Jets, startin' Jersey like the Nets To New York like the Mets, yeah I win like the Yanks Like the past, fill a check, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah On myself, yeah I bet, yeah I put blood to the switch, yeah From the East to the West, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah This podcast is sponsored by JB Sports Memorabilia. We love cards and so do they. It just works. Now let's get this show started. Okay, what's up everyone? We have a special edition of GNC Sports Talks presented by Grunt Talks. We're joined by ESPN Radio's very own Gordon Damer. Right now we currently host the night show with Larry Hardesty. Jake Montgomery helped us out here. We are very good friends with him. So what's up, Mr. Damer? How's it going? Thanks so much. How are we doing, guys? How are we feeling? Feeling good. good. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, of course. We appreciate it. All right. So I guess right away, I'll ask you, how did you get started with sports? I know you went to St. John's. So what did you take from your time there and what led you to a career in sports? Well, you know, when I went to college uh, many moons ago, uh, I was a liberal arts major. I got to school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, through just the process of following things along, I saw that there was a sports broadcasting class. And I was always a guy that was interested in sports. That's always what I, you know, free time with my buddies. It was always arguing about sports. So I said, you know, that might be a fun class to take as an elective. And sure enough, got into that class. Uh, and the teacher of that class was a longtime sports director at WCBS Radio named Ed Ingalls. And Ed's first day in class said, well, you know what? I'm always looking for interns. So through one thing or another, I said, you know what? That, that internship seems like something right up my alley. So uh, I pursued the uh, internship with him and I couldn't get over that that was an internship that was available even though he was looking for people all the time I, I thought it was strange but it was you had to be in Manhattan at five in the morning and it was you know three days a week and at 18 19 years of age not a lot of college kids wanted to be up at five o'clock in the morning in New York City so uh, I pursued that I got the internship there I think it was either like my first or second day and the beauty of that internship was it was very hands-on. You know, some internships, yeah, you get it at like a cool station, but you don't really get to do a whole lot. This internship, you got to do, you got to go out into the field and interview people. And I think it was in my second or third day, uh, Ed turned to me, he says, oh, could you go to the lobby? Coaches waiting in the lobby. So I didn't know who he was talking about. Sure <laughs> enough, I go down the, lo- the lobby and it was uh, Tom Landry, who had just oh written a new God. book and Ed was interviewing. And I'm like, st- you know, I was not, probably 19 years old, you know, hemming and hawing, like, you know, and uh, from that point, I was kind of hooked. So that's kind of my first foray into uh, sports broadcasting. How I got started. Wow, that's a really great explanation. We could definitely learn a lot from that. Bobby and I have very similar interests. This is how we got started too. A few years back, we always used to argue about sports. You know, we're one day we're like, you know what? Why don't we just do a podcast? You know, let's we, just get started. You know, we took that chance. Like, let's just see how this goes. You know, what's the worst that could happen? So. It's gone pretty good. We still got a long way to go, but we definitely can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, look, that's uh, I think that's how a lot of people, you know, you get into it because of your love of sports. And, you know, my parents were immigrants and they always told me, you know, find something that you would do ordinarily every single day, something you're going to love to do, whether you're getting money from it or not. 
and try to find that, you know, find a way that you can work and make money doing that. And it's, right. you know, the old saying, if you can do that, you, you really don't work a day in your life. And I, I've, I've kind of felt like that doing this for now, like 25 years. That's definitely a great point. We definitely feel similar. That's why we're pushing this really hard. So we appreciate the nice advice. Now, currently your work with Larry Hardesty and ESPN Radio, what would you say is the most rewarding part about your job right now? Like, what do you enjoy the most about it? Uh, well, I mean, I think the thing is the best about it is, you know, you, we're pretty much on, we're on Monday through Friday. I'm usually on on Saturday. So you get a chance, even if it's, you know, sometimes we're on after games. So sometimes it's maybe only an hour and 10 minutes. Maybe it's only 45 minutes sometimes if it's it take a game taking place someplace else. But at least you get a chance to chime in every single day about what's going on. And, you know, if you're a diehard sports fan, there are things that pop up every single day that interest you, that aggravate you, that, you know, excite you. Mm -hmm. And you get that chance every single day. You know, if it was the type of thing where I was just doing it a couple of days a week or, or just doing it on Saturday, you know, something happens on Tuesday, by the time Saturday rolls around, we've already kind of moved on. So the fact that we have it every single day, uh, I think is probably the most rewarding aspect of it. And, And to me, two hours is the perfect length of talk show. That's the, I mean, out of all that, you're like, you're perfectly in the groove. You never feel like you have to go back and touch on it. You know, you can get everything in in two hours. One hour is too short. To me, three hours is too long. Two hours is perfect. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, I don't know how some guys go five hours. That's a lot. That is yeah. a, re- a lot to talk about. But I'm going to dive into football because that's my game. That's uh, okay. what I basically cover is football. I love football. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. This season was very, very hard, especially living that. Especially, especially seeing your hard season. Uh, so, the my question to you is: How do you feel the Dolphins did this year, and do you feel that they will be in the running for Deshaun Watson? Oh, love it. Well, look, if Watson gets moved and he gets moved before the draft, it really comes down to where does he want to go? I would think, and I don't know him, he hasn't said anything, but I would think that Miami would be a place that would be appealing to him, right? It's not like he's going there and has to be the savior. It seems like they're building some level of a foundation there. Um, You know, Florida's not a bad place to live. Brian Flores seems like he's a coach who has a clue, who seems like he kind of gets it. So I could see Miami being an appealing place. You know, the more that I've thought about it, I can see this kind of just dragging on and on and on. So I don't know whether or not it takes place before the draft. If it takes place before the draft, if he gets moved before the draft, I think Miami is a real player. The team that I've always kind of thought that was a real player that's kind of under the radar is Carolina. They want to upgrade at quarterback. He went to Clemson, kind of knows the area. It would seem like a place that he'd be comfortable with. So that's one that I think is kind of under the radar. But for Miami, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have Deshaun Watson. That would be fantastic. I mean, they had a good season, not a great season. It's a nice you – know, it seems like things are progressing in the right way. After the couple of years ago, it seemed like they were really tearing it down and kind of building it back up. Uh, I, I'm a burned Dolphin fan. I've, I've been living this life for too long to get too excited too quickly. But I would say right now is probably the most – Uh, I wouldn't say excited, but the most faith that I have in the current regime that I've had in the the franchise in a very long time. Now, that's mostly because I had no faith in the regime, the the previous regimes. 
This one, at least I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And at least they have proven me some successes along the way. I'll tell you this, Brian Flores being a longtime Patriot coach, I, I tell every, like my friends who are Dolphin fans, I'm like, this guy is awesome. He's a real players coach. Nobody has anything negative to say about him. Like you hear in uh, Houston about Jack Easterby. No, you don't hear anything like that. But my question to you is how, what do the Dolphins need to do this off season to get over the hump and beat the bills? Because we let's face it. Right now, the Patriots aren't the team to beat in the AFC East. It's the Buffalo Bills. So, how? What do you think? Yeah, Bill. Excuse me. The Dolphins need to do to upgrade a few things and to get over that hump and beat them. Well, look, if Watson's available, that's the clearest path forward, right? Like to get the franchise quarterback that you know is going to be there for you know the foreseeable future, probably the next ten years, right? Like when we look back, if Deshaun Watson gets traded this offseason. We're going to look back at his career when it's all said and done and say that the next team he goes to is the team that he really you'll identify him with yeah. mm-hmm. because, you know, he's been there in Houston for four years, but the next, the rest of his career is still right out in front of him at, at only 25. So I would say the first thing, if the Dolphins could ever make a deal for Deshaun Watson, that would be the way I would go. If that is not open to them, he doesn't want to go there. They're not going to trade him. The path forward to me, is very clear cut. At number three, you find one of the teams that loves one of the quarterbacks that's going to be on the board. You move down, you take that pick that you got from Houston, and you use that, much like the Patriots do with their picks, to churn picks every single year. So maybe it's Carolina who wants to move up to eight to get a quarterback because they're not going to get Deshaun Watson either. Okay, fine. We'll move down to eight. We'll still we'll take your number one next year. We'll take a third rounder this year. Maybe we'll take a third rounder next year. And you constantly are turning to you using that one draft pick for multiple shots at the dartboard. Because at eight, if you move down to the eight, nine range, if you're not getting Watson, the plan has to be in terms of supplying Tua with weapons. But also what I like about that plan is let's say we get a year from now, right? All right. Dolphins take a receiver at eight or nine. They have another second round pick. They find a running back in the second round and they've all of a sudden stocked themselves up with weapons. And you found, you know what, year two, two is either hurt, he hasn't really progressed, the warning signs are now becoming more glaring. Well, you know what, I got another number one next year. I got my own number one next year. I have some more draft capital. If I want to move up and replace Tua, I still have that. So I think I still have some options. To me, the game plan this year is if Watson's unavailable, it's about finding playmakers to surround Tua and find out in year two if he's actually the guy. And if he is the guy, well, sensational. And you got, you know, you got your team kind of set. Totally. Brian Flores should be able to kind of overcome the obstacles on defense of maybe not spending high picks up there uh, uh, on players. But if he's not the guy, well, then you know what? I'm kind of reset for next year. And with a couple of number ones, maybe this is the new normal that quarterbacks are going to be on the move at a constant rate or far more constant rate than they've been right. in the past. So I think that that's the plan forward that I would have if I were the Dolphins. I like that a lot. I really do. And, um, if you could, what do you think on defense you need to upgrade? That's another thing because I love the Dolphins' defense. That secondary is stout. Uh, front seven's okay, but I, th- you know what, the Dolphins have two of the Patriots' linebackers. I'll tell you, I bet you guys love Kyle Van Noy. He's really good. He did. You know, I was not a big fan of that signing at the time because it was a lot of money to give to an established right. player, but he came in and was was as advertised. Uh, Manny Agba was a guy they got from uh, Kansas City who came in. I think he had eight or nine sacks this year, really, um, you know, 
that he was the guy of the guy that developed on defense that you didn't expect that from. I mean, look, they could still use pieces on defense, the secondary. They've invested a lot of money in there. They probably could use another linebacker. They probably could use another uh, defense, defensive uh, lineman up front. So th- there's still some pieces to be added there. Uh, but I think the main focus this year for them has to be about upgrading the overall talent on offense. You know, Devontae Parker's an okay player. Gaiseki has showed some, some ability. Some of the backs that kind of developed this year, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fine. But I think you really need to have some game breakers, some real you – know, you know what the Dolphins don't have? They don't have that signature guy on offense mm-hmm. where, you, you know, he's the focus of the commercials. He's the focus of the game plan. It's kind of Tua because we know Tua from Alabama. He's right. got a cool name. And, but they, don't, they haven't had that kind of guy in a very long time. They need some game breakers, some game changers on offense. And look, they're set up pretty well to be able to find those. Guys. What's up, GNT Nation? Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel yet? Subscribe to us at Grunt Talks MLB. Once again, that's Grunt Talks MLB. You could also catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now back to the show. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Jets don't have any game breakers. We need. We have a lot of work, too. I'm actually eyeing Watson for us. I'm sure you're not surprised. I think all Jet fans want him at this point. I think everyone wants him, basically. I mean, why not? He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The Jets have a premium package they could offer for him, but... I'm curious what you think is a fair compensation for Watson because there's been a lot of things thrown around. So I'm curious what your take on it is. Uh, I think fair compensation is whatever it's going to do, whatever it's going to take to get the deal done. Now, I don't want to give up my number one pick for the next seven years, obviously, but for a 25-year-old quarterback, if you're talking about three number ones and even a good player in Quinnen Williams or another, play, you know, an established player on the Jets, I think I would probably do that because, I mean, you have been, I mean, the Jets have been searching for 50 years for a guy as good as this, you know, I mean, recently they've had some good number one picks, but think about all the number one, I mean, half the number one picks this year will not turn out to be good players. Now, maybe the Jets picks with, with, you know, the two picks that they have, maybe they'll both turn out to be sensational players, but the chances of that are against them. So if it's three number ones, if you got to give up three number ones and Quinnen Williams, which would be difficult to do. You'd still have a, you'd get Watson right now. And either it's two, pick, you know, one of the picks from this year or one of the picks from next year, right? You have four picks in the first yeah, round, the next two years. Rounders, yeah. You'd still have a number one pick next year, probably, right? If you give them the two number ones this year and you give them one of the number ones, next, you'll still have a number one next year. And you'll have a 25-year-old franchise quarterback and $70 million to spend in the offseason this year so, I mean, I, I just think it makes the Jets far more appealing to free agents and other players to want to come to the Jets. It makes them a destination in a way they – I mean, I don't know if they've ever been like that in my lifetime. No, unless if McCagden's overpaying people, which has put us in a hole, right. obviously. So that hasn't been great. I like Joe Douglas. I think he's doing a sound job so far. The only thing I didn't like was letting Robbie Anderson walk last year. I think that was the one big mistake, I would say. The draft was pretty decent, but it wasn't perfect, obviously. But you definitely made some good points about the compensation. Speaking of players, what are your thoughts on Sam Darnold? Do you think he could rebound somewhere else? Do you think he could be thrown in the Watson trade potentially? Because I think that's been a thought some of us have had. So what do you think? I would think if the Texans are going to trade Watson, they have to realize it's a complete rebuild. Right? So I would think that 
if they're doing that and they're trading away their guy, Darnold is not going to be appealing to them because Darnold's going to need to get paid relatively soon. Even if you don't pay him this upcoming season after that year, you know, it's, it's year number five. And look, I just think that Sam needs a fresh start. I don't know necessarily that it's going to be a busted pick. I see things that he does that are, that are good. Every, you know, essentially every quarterback that gets taken that high shows you glimpses. You know, Mitch Trubisky at one time showed glimpses. Uh, Marcus Mariota showed glimpses. Jameis Winston showed glimpses. The problem is the level of consistency. And Sam has never shown that level of consistency week in and week out. So do I think that he could still turn out to be a good player? Yeah. But am I willing to bet my career on it? And, and if you're the Jets, if you're Joe Douglas, that's kind of what you're doing, right? Like, this is the offseason to finally decide once and for all who's your quarterback moving forward. You got a new coach who you picked. You got a chance with the second pick in the draft, cap space, quarterbacks available. This is the year. Who is the guy you're basically betting your career on? Because if, if Joe Douglas doesn't get it right, really, any GM, if you don't get it right the first time, the chances of you staying as the GM diminish year by year so i would think that for the jets i do think it's best that they move on i hope for sam's sake he seems like a great guy that he goes someplace gets a fresh start and and look that might end up burning the jet fam because you're thinking yourself well if he just stayed here sometimes you just need it you know just because it's a right fit someplace else doesn't mean it would have been a right fit anywhere and i just don't think it's going to work for sam here. I think it's time to turn the page. Agreed. I agree with that 100%. Being a fan, I mean, I feel for him too. I have liked him a lot, but I don't see it with the Jets right now. I, my, my friend made a good point. He's like, the picks are going to be more um, tiresome. Like, they're going to be more in his head if they're with the Jets. Like, if he throws it somewhere else, they'll be like, oh, he's just learning. But the Jet fans are impatient with him already. So if he starts somewhere else, I think it would be the best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, no matter what the Jets do this offseason, it's still going to be kind of a rebuilding situation, right? So, I mean, yeah. you expect it to be better than it was. Let's, God, for you know, for their sake, let's <laughs> yeah, hope so. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you bring in Watson, he's an established guy who's going to be able to smooth out some of those bumps. If you bring in a rookie quarterback, yeah, there will be growing pains, but the team will kind of all be growing together. I know Sam is still young, but, like, what happens if you get into next year and he gets off to a slow start and, and there are fans back in the stands, right? Like right. you think, you don't think the fans are going to be like, you know, of all the options we stayed with this guy who we looked at for three. I just think it's kind of almost an impossible situation. So I, I just think it's the, it's the best thing for the jets. I think it's the best thing for him. And uh, I think it's the, what's most, even when there were reports that Sala was coming and he was going to be the head coach and his, the offensive coordinator really would thrive with Sam. I never thought that they would stay with Sam. I thought it was always going to be a fresh quarterback. Um, I don't know which one is going to be, but I think that that will be what ends up taking place. Absolutely. I think that both parties involved would really benefit from moving on from each other. My question to you is uh, it's going to be with the Patriots. In your opinion, do you think, because the Patriots are have the fourth most cap space this offseason, uh, do you think that the Patriots will be players that will be active? And who do you think their quarterback will be in 2021? Wow. Who will their quarterback be? I mean, they're one of those teams that could really upgrade a quarterback with far lesser names that are being mentioned other places, right? Like they, you know, they don't need to go get Deshaun Watson to find an upgraded quarterback. Look, I've always kind of thought that it might turn out to be Jimmy G. San Francisco is kind of one of those wild cards. 
it didn't seem like the Patriots wanted to really trade, you know, at least Belichick didn't really want to trade Jimmy G away. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see them uh, being uh, a destination for him. I don't, I, you know, at 68, I don't see, I think he's 68, maybe he might be 69. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't see Belichick being someone who's going to draft a quarterback, bring him along. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't see him having the patience to do that. I do expect them to upgrade with free agency. The only thing with the Patriots, and, and look, it's generally the right approach, is that they don't overpay, right? Like no, they're never at the top of the market for any one or any one position. They kind of like spread it around. So um, I expect them to be players. I don't know necessarily, even if they spend a lot of money, that it will necessarily be like the kind of headline grabbing type of players. So, uh, but they look, they got some, they got some work to do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, my, uh, you know what? Let's transition and Julian will get in on this next with baseball. So this year we're supposed to get 162 games back in this season. Do you think that the Yankees are the team to beat in the AL? Are they the team to be in the American League? Well, if you play a full season, which, you know, is no guarantees, I think that they're going to be there. I, there are some glaring areas. I'm hoping that this is going to be the offseason where we criticize the team, we criticize the acquisitions, and it all turns out to be great. So I'm going to continue. Anything that I can put out into the universe to make that happen, I will do. Like the last time I remember the Yankees getting criticized this much I think was, was 2017, like 2017. Like there were a lot of questions about the pitching staff, who was going to shut stuff up. And of course they had a great season. So I'm hoping it's the same kind of thing. Um, the pitching staff, not that the pitching has been the issue in the postseason, but I just take a look at the moves that they've made, uh, especially the Kluber one, boy, oh boy, they are risking a lot on getting that one right. I know that they got inside information because the guy that runs that training facility is on the Yankee payroll. So you would figure that they have better information about where Corey Kluber is and his rehab. $11 million guaranteed. Generally, that wouldn't be a big deal to the Yankees. That would almost be like a flyer. But when they have not spent money and they're kind of seemingly strapped for cash in terms of what their budget is, $11 million on a 35-year-old guy who has really not pitched in the last two years boy, that seems awful risky. Like, even if he gets off to a good start, it feels like you're going to be holding your breath the entire time. And it just doesn't, you know, between the injury history for both Kluber and, and Tyone and, and Brian Cashman's track record in terms of landing starting pitchers, identifying the right guy, it just never seems to work out. Moves that I think at the time seem like they make sense. Like Paxton, to me, that was a deal that made sense to me at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That guy's going to be, even though he gets hurt a little bit here and there, I think that guy's going to be really good. And, you know, he had some moments, but he was never the guy that you kind of thought, you know, you thought he was going to come here and take it to that next level. Never really happened. And it just seems like there's a history of that with, with Cashman. It, it, the pitching, unless he's just, you know, you know, Cole was fantastic, but unless he's just like overpaying, uh, for guys, it just never seems to work out. So I have major, there's a lot of question marks and just the season itself, right? Like usually teams don't like guys to, to have a huge jump up in innings. And based on what last year was, I, I could definitely see a scenario where there's a lot of guys, a lot more guys hurt and you need a lot more depth uh, and maybe not so much for the regular season about the top flight guys, as much as having seven, eight, nine guys. The Yankees got like seven, eight, nine question marks in the rotation outside of Cole. 
That's a great point you made. And I feel I agree with a lot of it. I like what you said about Kluber because the Yankees took a calculated gamble, I feel like, but it has to pay off. Like that's a lot of money because they're trying to stay under the tax. I'm assuming they know something like you said, so he better holds up because if he doesn't, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Severino's also big too. If he returns back to form, that's going to answer a lot of question marks. But you made a good point with the innings because I think they're going to monitor all the innings. I think you're going to see like seven to nine guys. They're going to rotate the starting pitchers in, I feel like. Herman's going to be a factor. Garcia, Schmidt, Montgomery. I think all these guys are going to go. The only one you're going to see go close to 200 is Garrett Cole, I think. They talked about Kluber and Tyone pitching like 150 each if they could hold up. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you're already going into the season saying, well, these guys can pitch us 150 innings if they can hold up. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know. But look. You know, they have some guys who it seems like are, are close to the majors and, and, and have not, you know, performed in the majors as of yet. They got the kid of Rayu. They got the kid uh, Medina, who might be a couple of years away. Like, they have some guys down at the farm. Clark Schmidt, we saw a little bit of last year. So maybe this is the type of thing where one of these guys that we're not talking about right now, mm. all of a sudden, you know, that happens in baseball more so than, than, right. than in other sports where guys, you're not discussing at all, might not even know they pretty much exist before the season begins. And then they come up in the course of the year and uh, they show you that they belong. So maybe one of those guys, maybe somebody from the minor leagues will come up and really knock their socks off. Because they're going to need, I just, I find it hard to believe that there's enough, you know, with all those question marks and enough of those question marks are going to turn into exclamation points of, yes, definitely, I want that guy in the rotation every fifth day with the way things are lined up. Right. You made some great points. We're definitely concerned with the pitching. I think the Yankees are easily favorites in the AL East, but as we come to playoff time, that's what the question is. The Yankees keep getting stuffed during the playoffs. So how do they get past that hump? Another guy to watch for, I think people are talking about, is Nick Nelson. He's really impressed. A lot yeah. of people are talking him up. And I think he could play like that bullpen, maybe swing starter role too, maybe give you two or three innings out of the pen. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're in the mindset that me and Bobby share that they should have went over the luxury tax. This wasn't the right time to be pinching pennies, I feel like, being so close. Agreed. They really could have put their throat down and tried to establish themselves. You see what the Dodgers did with Trevor Bauer. They have no regard for money out there. They'll be pushing almost 250, especially if they re-sign Justin Turner. But we just got to deal with when the hands were dealt. The only thing that Bobby and I would say is that we at least want a relief pitcher because we've lost uh-huh. a lot of relief pitchers. We've been talking about Trevor Rosenthal a lot, but I'm not sure if it's in the cards. Yeah, I, I, Rosenthal has been a guy that's kind of jumped out to me even before they, you know, they signed O'Day. Um, but, you know, he has a pretty good track record. Uh, it seems as he has been around forever. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, the Yankees' bullpen, they generally have an ability to find guys. I mean, I can go back. It seems like they've always kind of been able to find a guy or two in that bullpen and, and develop over the course of the year. So I'm not really as concerned. Now, look, it might blow up at times, right? Like there will be times, and and especially in the playoffs, with Chapman struggles and Green struggles at times. I'm just talking about over the course of the regular season. uh, They they always seem to be able to find those kind of guys to to give them innings out of the pen. So I, I have some faith there. It's more the starting pitching to me that's the issue. That's a good point. I also feel like it would be nice if they added a lefty bat, and I don't feel Brett Gardner would suffice even if they do re-sign him. I wanted like a nice power lefty bat maybe. I'm not sold on Ford or Tyler Wade at all. I don't think anyone really is at this point, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are a little too right-handed. I know they think that it doesn't really matter, but every great Yankee team from now until, you know, the team was born, they always had great lefty power hitters from the short porch and everything else, 
Even a lot of bad Yankee teams had a lot of lefty power hitters. <laughs> you know, you just always collect those lefty power hitters or at least a couple of switch hitters that can you can turn around. Yeah, I would love to see them add a lefty bat. I fully expect that they will bring back Brett Gardner. I'll be stunned if they don't bring back Brett Gardner. But, you know, the offense is kind of the offense. You know what I mean? Like, it has to come through in the postseason with the games on the line, score some runs when they have the opportunity. They've not been able to do that over the last couple of years. Uh, but I think the lineup is kind of, you know, kind of writes itself now. You know, once LeMahieu came back, you kind of knew where everybody fit. That was really the only question. If LeMahieu had decided to go, you know, to Toronto uh, and then you move Glaber to sit, then you really have some, some moving pieces. But I think that uh, the lineup, you kind of, you know, barring injury, you kind of know what the lineup is. And hopefully this year is the year where they don't get injured as much, especially Aaron Judge. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. Follow us on Instagram at Grunt Talks Team, Twitter, Grunt Talks NFL. Again, Instagram, Grunt Talks Team, Twitter, Grunt Talks NFL. Now back to the show. Final questions for you is, so far in your career, who is the one person you enjoyed interviewing the most? Interviewing the most. You know, I don't do that many interviews. You know, the one guy who's always been really good to me has been Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, and he's a guy that gets, you know, interviewed all the time and stuff like that. But he has always been very cordial, especially for a big time guy like that. You know, uh, even when I was not working at ESPN, he was at ESPN. He was always somebody who was very easy to, to, to talk to and, and was very gracious with his time, which is not generally uh, the reaction that you get, even when he can't do it at that time, he'll always say, Hey, you know, get back in touch with me, you know, down the road, we can do it at another time. And he's always been great that way. So I'd say Adrian probably. Have you ever met, uh, Adam Schefter? Never met Adam. Nope. Seems that guy is always, always on the run. It seems like trying to get in touch with him is like the hardest thing. Like trying to get in touch with the president. Yeah, well, I mean, Woj is basically the same way. I mean, those guys eat, sleep, breathe every moment. I mean, think about all the times that you will be up late on a Saturday night, you know, maybe a Saturday night, maybe a Friday, whatever it is. And they, they'll have news at a time where they should, you know, normal people are sleeping, right? Yeah. But yet they, ha- they have it at the drop of a hat. So those guys, I mean, those guys, they are on 24-7, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. It's, they are incredible, both of them. Yes, they are. I look, I really look up to Adam Schefter because me and Julian, we both want to be in this field. The one thing I really, my dream is to be a sports broadcaster for either baseball or football. And I love radio, but one thing I really do like doing is what he does. I think Adam is one of the best at really just getting down to it and giving us stories. You know, he dives deep. He's one of the best. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a newsbreaker, right? You see an Adam Schefter tweet, you see an Adrian Wojnarowski tweet. It's uh, it's it's attention grabbing, right? Right off the bat. So, because you know that if, if there's new, if there's news that's going to break in the NFL, it's almost certainly going to come from Adam Schefter. If it's an NBA story, it's almost certainly going to come from Adrian Mosierowski. And with baseball, it's Jeff Passan. Yeah, Passan. Yeah, Passan. You know, there's a, it, it seems like there's more guys in baseball, but yes, absolutely. Uh, Passan has been has been on top of things a lot lately. He's been out there forefront, so he's he's as good as them as well. Yep, I, I agree with that. We're trying to follow in those footsteps. We also we do the podcast. We have a lot of stuff. I'll give you a little land scope of what we do. So this is um our website right here. That's our little logo. You can see it. Now. Okay. Grunt Talks MLB. But we are also building football up too. We have Grunt Talks NFL. Right now, the website's Grunt Talks MLB. 
we have videos on YouTube and, and we talk about baseball, football. We do comparisons with the plays. We, we comment on all the transactions. We make predictions. We write articles. We have a media company, Card Shop. So we're, we're building merchandise soon. We're just trying to get everything going. So Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys got to get on TikTok, man. I've been on TikTok because of the pandemic. Like, look at its stuff. And a lot of the, a lot of young kids are, are, you know, it's a great way to share your clips. And, you know, you get one to go viral and, and have, you know, your website attached to your profile page or whatnot, you know, little 15, 30-second clips. Uh, I, it seems like that's growing more and more. You know, when I first got on it, you know, last March, you know, it was kids dancing. It was, you know, yeah. silly things here and there. But now the more I watch, is more, you know, gambling guys, sports betting guys, opinion guys. So I think that's a, that's a you know, you guys now, because the age you are, as opposed to when I was starting, you have far more outlets to get your stuff out there. Now, it's more difficult for you to get paid for the things that you're putting out there, but you have far more weight. You know, when I was, you know, getting into the business, I couldn't just go down to my basement and start filming something on my phone, right? I mean, I... That wouldn't, that didn't exist. So you'd have more options now, but the actual payment to, to get those things, that's, right. that's a little trickier. <laughs> well, we're working on that right now. Hopefully we have some good things in store, but um, TikTok's interesting. You know, it, it's kind of turned me off in the way, but I guess we'll have to look into it now. Yeah, Cause like, I thought it was gimmicky, honestly, but I have seen the Yankees <laughs> post a lot of stuff on there. So. I, I, you know what? It's a really, there's a lot, you know, look, there's a lot of just, you know, junk like anything else. Like Twitter has a lot of junk, you know, everything has a lot of junk, but there are, there's a good community of people there that are very creative uh, and the editing software on that. I'm not big on technology or stuff like that, but just watching my kids do it and how intuitive it is. Uh, I think that it's, it's a really good app for that being able to take something, shoot it, edit it in a short period of time, you get yourself a ring light and boom, away you go. And you can have something up, you know, if you can put it together, you know, every single day. You put, if you put stuff up on TikTok, and I've seen it with my own kids, if you put up something, just even one thing, every single day, you will get a, a, a following. If you do it for like maybe three months, you do one thing every single day. It doesn't be long, it'd be 30 seconds. But if you can find that niche to put up one piece of, of material, one piece of, uh, you know, content every single day, the number you will, you will grow your numbers. Thank you so much. It's great advice. We're definitely going to look into that. Absolutely. So brother, do you have any final questions? I have one. You know, I, I think I, all my questions were answered. So on my, okay. part, thank you so much for all. No, anytime guys. You gave me, gave us, and you know, we're going to TikTok. I feel the same way, but you know what? We'll definitely have to look into that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, play around with it. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of it. You can, you can play around with it and, and uh, you know, it, 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 you're not going to pop on it right away and have a whole lot of people looking at it right, right. away. So it kind of allows you, you know, if you ever saw Conan the Barbarian where Arnold is the little kid and he's pushing the wheel around in the right. dirt and then all of a sudden, <laughs> 10 seconds later, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you get good at it. You get, you get better. It, it gets you comfortable talking on camera. It gets you comfortable, you know, coming up with little things that are unique to yourself. So I think it's, you know, just from what I've seen so far with my own kids, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's worthwhile. It's a, it's a useful thing where I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Thanks so much again. So my final question, if you're on the clock with the Jets pick, we can't trade for Watson. We got to go quarterback. Are you taking Wilson or Fields? 
You know, the problem with, with that I have with that decision is I watch some college football, but I don't watch, I, I, you know, with the family, I watch Sunday is NFL from start to finish. Of course. Oh, yeah. 1258, I come down <laughs> to this room right here and I watch until 730 or whenever dinner time is. And then I get dinner and we watch and then the kids go to bed and then I watch the Sunday night game. So, so that's Sunday. Saturday, if there's big games on, I'll watch. So the problem that I have is Justin Fields, I've seen a lot more of him. And I've seen a lot more of his mistakes, his flaws. With, with Wilson, all, I don't watch BYU games. You know, I'm a Steve Young yeah. sitting around watching the Elma. All I see of him is the highlights. Mm-hmm. So of the highlights, you look at him and you're like, man, this guy's unbelievable. He can yeah, really so I'm feeling that too, yeah. Right, you know, he can get outside the pocket. So I would say if it were me, and it does kind of seem like the consensus is right now that Wilson's going to be the second quarterback right. off the board. He kind of fits better maybe with the uh, the system the Jets are going to be running on offense. System. So I think definitely, yes. yeah, it seems like that's the consensus for the number two, for the pick there. To me, for the Jets, the decision at two is simple. Either you fall in love with the quarterback and you take him at two or you trade down. Uh, you find someone, and they're in a, even a better position than Miami at three. I'm hoping that the Jets love Wilson, take him at two, and then if a quarterback needy team was looking to move up, the Dolphins are that team. But I would say if I were the Jets, uh, I would probably take Zach Wilson at number two with the caveat that, you know, this is subject to change as we move along. And I see more right. of Zach Wilson because there's got to be flaws there. Right. Yeah. And the one thing that I would say that jumps off right away is that he does not look that big. I know he's listed at six, three. That's a good he point. does not look, you know, Sam Darnold is listed at six, three and he looks six, three. The, mm. the Zach Wilson kid does not look six, three. Right. I think there's also might be some issues with his uh, short passing accuracy from what I've heard. So maybe that's another thing. But the deep ball looks amazing. Like you said, the highlights and the mobility look good. But can he hold mm-hmm. up? Can he take the hits, the size? I mean, we've seen small quarterbacks succeed, but Got we've also seen time. a lot of small guys not succeed. Yeah. I mean, look, I think Fields is going to make his presence felt as well. Like, I don't think, you know, I, I know how it goes with quarterbacks. Sometimes the guys are, you know, people are, the evaluators are down with them. Then they have their pro day and you see what they can do. And Fields, his skill set of being able to run and pass right. and do all these things, you know, he's a physical freak. He was a very highly regarded. It wasn't like he just came on the scene from nowhere. He was a highly regarded prospect as well. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's a done deal as of yet. I think that uh, that Fields will – there'll be some buzz around him as we get close. I mean, we're still like 75 days until the draft, so there's a lot of time. So I could see him being in the mix for number two. But if you ask me right now on this day, I would say that it would probably be Wilson. I agree. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is a great time. We'd love to do it again in the future if you'd be interested. This is – Absolutely. Is, we definitely learned a lot thank today. Thank you so much. Well – I'm not going anywhere. I got, you know, the pandemic. I'm just in my house every single day. Just hit me up. Sounds good. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Yep. Have a good one. Show tonight as well. Maybe we'll call in. Maybe we'll call in soon. Be good. All right. You too. Talk to you. All right. Bye bye. All right. So, brother, what did you think of that? That was awesome, man. You know what? Uh, I know everyone's going to get a, a good kick out of him being like, oh, it was a bad season for the Patriots. Yeah, that was. I actually think that was pretty funny. But, he, look, he gave us great insight with football and baseball and really enjoyed talking to him. This is another one. We keep talking about this. It's like talking to buddies sitting at – I'm sitting at my kitchen table right now, and, and literally it's just like oh, you're right here room. and he's over there. So <laughs> it, it really is – it was really, really fun. I enjoy this. And 
really hope to get him on in the future. He gave us great insight. With TikTok, we'll have to invest in that because I'm going to be honest. I'm not a big fan of TikTok either. There's some funny videos on there, but I've tried doing TikToks before, and just for me, it's just – it's we're, like I said, we'll have to really look into it, but it's a lot for TikTok. Yeah, I agree. I think we can try to get that going. But, yeah, he gave us some great baseball takes. He shares a lot of our concerns we do with the Yankees. The football talks, he was definitely honest with all our teams, the AFC East. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely seems to be um, – the one thing I was going to tell him, I think you'll agree with this too, um, if the Texans hold on to Watson after free agency, do you think that hurts his value? Do you think they won't get as much? Uh, after free agency? Um, in my opinion, you know what? I think that his value is always going to be there. I really do. So I think, honestly, if the Texans are smart, they would do it right now. And for a lot of teams, they're going to try to get it pushed right now. Because, listen, for example, Jets get him. That just attracts more free agents to come play with them. Yes, exactly. That's and my if concern. The, if the, And with the Dolphins, too. Listen, that's another thing. Listen, everybody, you're, I don't care how bad the Dolphins are. A lot of players want to play in Miami because of the the area and the weather. And they're actually good say, now. If, if, yeah, and if if people say that's that's not true, uh, it is true. It really is. A lot of players like to go to warm weather cities, and yeah, they won't. They're sometimes not the best, but they come there and play. But right now they're good, so of course they're going to want to uh, play. But with the Jets, the one thing also another thing, a lot of players want to play in New York City. That's mm. another thing. It's a big market. Mar- um, endorsement deals, you name it. It's a big market. So with that, listen, his value is going to be there, but in terms of like the jets or dolphins or even Carolina, cause I think Carolina is a player. I think they're laying yeah. in the weeds. I love when he said that. I love that. They're a team to watch out for. He makes a good point. Deshaun Watson is from South Carolina. So that's basically home for him. Right. So we'll see what happens. But with the jets, I think that they are going to push getting Deshaun Watson before free agency because when they get him if what I'm just going to say this yeah when they get him <laughs> is um it's just going to attract uh wide receivers who want to play with him defenders yeah. who want to be his teammate like I told like I reported this a few days ago the Jets have heavy interest in Juju Smith-Schuster and Will Fuller Will Fuller and him are like this they are close so that's a, that's a good report and that would be good uh, I also reported that Juju's getting a lot. I'm not real quick. I'll say Juju's gaining a lot of interest. I reported, I tweeted yesterday that Juju is gaining heavy interest from Oakland. Uh, I did it. Jeez. The Vegas, the Raiders. We so the one thing, is, yeah. One thing is a lot of teams are going to want to get trades done before free agency for that reason. Right. Yeah. That's my thing too. Like I'm concerned that the Texans hold serve and then we don't get like the same free agents we could have gotten. That's the thing that's worrying me right now. Cause if they're right. going to play hardball and get stubborn, they're not going to want to wait. They're not going to want to help other teams nope. out and do it before free agency. They're going to wait till the draft where they realize he's actually not going to report. Unless if they want to take it to the facts of him holding out, then that's just going to be like a real story. But like, I don't know what they're going to do. I just hope it's done before March. Are you ready for some little breaking news right now? Yes, to end the show. Let's do it. Okay, well, I don't know if you know this, but apparently a handful of teams, Tom Palacero is saying this, and I'll be tweeting this right now too, on both my personal, BTOMS81, and uh, my Grunt Talks NFL. Teams have called the Seahawks about Russell Wilson because I don't know if you knew this, uh, Russell Wilson really ruffled some feathers with his comments on the uh, Dan Patrick show yesterday. 
saying that he feels like he should have more say in personnel and he feels like he's frustrated with getting uh, hit all the time. Well, the organization is really pissed off with him, but, um, and there's been stories that he's trying to politely get his way out of Seattle. Um, teams have called, they've shown no indication. I'll read you the tweet right now to end the show. Tom Paralosaro said this, and I quote, more teams have reached out about Russell Wilson, but the Seahawks have shown no indication to trade their star QB whose media tour continues. So here's the thing. In my opinion, Julian, in a way, know what I'm saying with this? Let's hear it. He is kind of, in a way, pulling in Antonio Brown with the Raiders. Polite. Uh, He's doing it much <laughs> in a much nicer way. He's I was, kind of yeah, giving wow. them the shaft, giving them the middle finger, saying you want to do this. But here's the thing. I think Russell Wilson's a more classier the guy than Antonio Brown. I think we could all agree on that. He's always played the cards he was dealt with. But I agree. I think Seattle – You listen, Seattle is going to – they're not going to move on from him right now. He's their guy. He signed a huge extension with them. But the fact that teams are calling is interesting. Something yeah. to watch. You know, that caught my eye too. I, I think they were actually reporting that a little bit after the Super Bowl. I was kind of a random story. I'm like, teams calling about Russell Wilson. Like, you saw him at the Super Bowl with Ciara and uh, yeah. Roger yeah. Goodell. You know, I think it's a lot to do with um, – I think he just wants them to fix the offensive line. The good news is they could use their first-round pick to fix it. Yeah, the only thing with that is their first-round pick is with you guys. So, uh, <laughs> Wait, they can't because they got a box safety that's useless and it's going to ask for a lot of money. Whoops. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, listen. Oh, my God. It, it's a domino effect. The quarterback carousel continues. What's if he next? gets moved, like what? what if he gets moved? Let's just have some fun and the show. What team gets him? I don't think Jets will go there. I think it's either Watson or Bust for the Jets because no, the Jets need a young quarterback. You, you guys won't entertain that option because of his age. He's not even yeah. that old. Uh, Indy one, Washington two, Patriots will be all over that. I can tell you that. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Patriots fan because Bill Belichick loves Russell Wilson. No, those would be the three. Uh, Could the Bears even try thing, to do it? Bears. And also, Carolina would be all over that, too. Right, yeah, those are a solid five, I would say. Maybe even the Dolphins. But the one team to watch out for, if that ever happened, is Indianapolis. Indy's a perfect fit because he could actually go there with a Super Bowl. I think think Russell Wilson in in a Colts uniform, I think that's everything they could have hoped for. I really do. I think that That would be crazy. With that offensive line, you want to talk about never getting hit? He's never going to get touched behind that offensive line. That would be insanity. But all right, let's wrap up. We have we've had a great show today. So Grunt Talks MLB is the website as we talked about. Bobby gave the his Instagram handles and Twitter handles, but you can do it again if you'd like. Twitter is Julian Guardi one for me. Grunt Talks team is our team's Instagram. And then also on Twitter, it's Grunt Talks MLB. Bobby, take it away, brother. Thank you, brother. So my personal Twitter, once again, is BTomps81. My personal Instagram, Bobby Thompson81. Also check out Grunt Talks NFL on Twitter. We have a lot going on. Catch all of our content on grunttalksmlb.com. We yes. have a lot to talk about. Free agents baseball right around the corner. Free agency for football is 6 weeks away. I am getting just I am just getting started with football content. Julian will be in with me as well. Julian baseball is starting up and and team no sleep. 
That's what we're about to be doing. Yeah, so we're about to be grinding a lot. We oh, have a guys, surprise interview tonight, yep, too. A lot of stuff. Enjoy. A lot gonna of drop things that tomorrow are morning. going to happen. So thank you guys so much for listening. Great interview. And like we said, subscribe. Check out our content on gruntalksmlb.com. And let us know how, what you feel about us. We always, I think, yep. I don't think we ever say that. I think we want to know what you guys feel, what we could do, and yes. let's get you guys more involved. YouTube is uh, Grunt Talks MLB GT Sports. Um, and then we have Apple Podcasts and Spotify's GNT Sports Talk presented by Grunt Talks. Brother, great podcast as always. Yeah.